0: You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Jesus said, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, the sower goes out to sow the seed. With this parable, Jesus is giving us profound insight into our own Christian lives and into the life of the church. And I think we can break it up into three fundamental truths that, that our Lord Jesus would have us consider today. Truth number one is this. God's Word is always under attack. Now, this is of first importance for us to remember And I think maybe because we're tempted to think that being a Christian and holding on to the promises of God, that that's the easy part of this life. No, that's the opposite. God's Word is always under attack. And His Word in your ear and in your heart is under attack. The seed is the Word of God. And the soil, that's the ears and the hearts of sinners, of you and of me. And we remember what happens as the sower scatters the seed. The birds come, the feet trample it down, the birds come and snatch it away. Some falls in the rocks and grows up quickly, but the sun beats down on it. Or, or some grows amongst the thorns and the weeds and is choked out and doesn't bear any fruit. This is all the different assaults of the devil on the seed of God's Word, trying to prevent it from growing in your own heart. As soon as as you hear the scriptures preached, as soon as you open up your Bible to read it, as soon as you talk about the truths of God's word with one another, then there is a spiritual battle that happens instantly. A battle with each one of us to prevent us from holding on to the word of God, to prevent the word of God from bearing fruit in your own life. So we need to remember this first. That every Christian is in a battle. That we are in a battle. That you are a soldier. And that your ba- the battlefield is your ears and your heart. That's where the spiritual war is fought. So, spiritual truth number one, God's word is always under attack. Spiritual truth number two is the enemies of that word. The people that we are fighting, or that the Lord is fighting with us, and it is this, truth number two, it is the devil, the world, and the flesh who attack God's word. Jesus gives us warnings about the devil, and the world, and the flesh as he talks about the three enemies in the parable, the birds, and the rocks, and the weeds. The birds, says Jesus, or the devil, always snatching and biting at the Word through trouble, through distraction, through deception, through temptation, through whatever means he can manage. The devil works to prevent you from hearing God's Word, or even once you've heard it, he tries to prevent you from believing it. And Jesus also warns us about the rocks and about the weeds. That's the world and the flesh. Or even more specifically, that's trouble and pleasure, the twin dangers of suffering and lust. Now, there's fantastic wisdom from Jesus for us here. He's, this is what He's saying to us. He says, "Look, you've you've heard my words, you've heard my promises, you've believed them. You're a Christian, but don't sit back and take it easy. You have faith now, but the devil doesn't stop. He comes to attack your faith. And here are the two chief ways that he does it: through suffering." And through pleasure. So, first comes the rocks. This is the assault of suffering. Jesus says that some of the seed falls amongst the rocks. This is like the person that hears the gospel and believes what's being preached, and they grow up very quickly, but then the sun comes out. And this plant, this person's faith, withers and dies. The scorching sun, says Jesus, is the troubles of this life, the tribulations of this life. He says Jesus calls it the time of testing. And when the time of testing comes, then faith withers. I know it's kind of hard for us to imagine it with eight inches of snow outside, but I want you to think of your yard in August after two weeks with no rain. (laughs) This kind of withered, dried-out grass this is the result of trouble for our faith. Now, there's a mystery that Jesus wants us to understand here. Let me see if you guys are with me on this, because this is pretty important. There's a mystery. Because if you and I are standing there on the sidewalk looking at my dead yard, and you said to me, what happened? What's the trouble? Why is all of your grass dead? Why, 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 why did this plant die? I would say to you, because the sun is too hot. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus looks at this plant that's withered and died, and he doesn't say that the problem is the heat. He doesn't say that the problem is the sun. Jesus says that the problem is the root. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, They have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. Chapter 8, verse 13. The problem is not the sun. The problem is not the heat. The problem is the root. When people leave the church or when people, when people lose their faith because of suffering, we look at the person and we say, well, what happened there? And we want to say, well, look, it's their great suffering. It destroyed their faith. But no, the mystery that Jesus wants us to know in the parable is that the problem the assault on the faith, the reason why the plant dies is not because of the suffering or trouble or testing or temptation or affliction or whatever. The problem is the root. That their faith was not grounded. In fact... If the seed and if the plant were to have deep roots, then the sun coming out is, in fact, good for the plant. It makes it stronger. It makes it grow more. And this is true also for us. Suffering and testing and temptation and persecution and affliction and agony and all of the troubles of this life, all of these things, in fact, strengthen our faith if we have deep roots. So... For us to fight against this assault of suffering, we want to chase after some deep roots. And what does this look like? Now, I think it's different for each one of us. Wonderfully, the Lord has enrolled each one of us in his classroom, and all of us have a triple major, uh, faith, love, and hope. We'll graduate one day. (laughs) And this, with suffering, is the classroom of hope. I mean, this is the Lord teaching each one of us how we are to suffer for the name of Jesus and rejoice in that suffering. But, but for every single one of us, the deep roots come from a study of Scripture. Deep roots come from meditating on God's Word. Listen to how Psalm 1 says it. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaves do not wither. It is one of the plagues that we can see just of the church in America in modern times that we have become content with shallow theology, like this thin veneer of biblical knowledge with cliches and sound bites and no true depth at all. And there's a danger... Also for us as well in this, that we stop learning, that we stop reading, that we stop meditating on the words and promises of God. And if that happens, it's true, we might grow quickly, but there is no root. And when the assault of suffering comes along, our faith withers and dies. So, every Christian is to be, according to Jesus, a theologian. Every Christian is a student of the Bible. You, each one of you must think of yourselves in this way. I am a student of the Holy Scriptures. Now again, what this looks like in our day-to-day practical lives will be very different for each one of us. I mean, some of you are retired and you're looking for things to do and you can sit and read the whole Bible in like three days. That's great. Others of you, you take up a chapter or it's a struggle to get time just to read a chapter or a paragraph before bed. For some of you, it might mean mixing in a theological podcast in and amongst all the other things you listen to while you're exercising or driving to work. For others, it looks like picking up a theology book to read, but the easiest and most important thing for all of us is to come to church and to come to Bible class. Bible class, by the way, is free. (laughs) And you're here already, and we have an elevator But look, when we open God's Word and when we study it, the Holy Spirit is driving the roots down deep into our heart, and it makes us able to not only to stand against the devil's attack of suffering, but to actually flourish in the midst of it. That's what Jesus is after. That's the first warning. And then, and then, the second warning, that that suffering is not the only trick that the devil has, but there's the twin or opposite temptation of pleasure. This is the seed that's thrown in amongst the thorns and the weeds. Remember how it was with Joseph? Remember the Old Testament Joseph? He's, he's, he's taken, grabbed by his brother, they threw him in the pit, they sold him as a slave, that's suffering. But then what happened? He was exalted. Things started to go well. He was in Potiphar's house and then Potiphar's wife came and tried to grab a hold of him and tempted him to sin. That's the temptation of pleasure. And these, these twin temptations come along all of the time. When things have gone well for us, when the devil's letting up, now comes the temptation for what Jesus says are the pleasures of life, cares and riches, and their fruit does not mature. Luke 8 verse 14. Now this is a hassle. The devil attacks our faith with pain and with pleasure. He attacks our faith with the things we don't want, and he attacks our faith with the things that we do want. And this is important for us to remember, that our faith, God's Word, has an enemy on the inside of us. That each one of us has a sinful flesh, and one of the chief marks, if not the chief mark of the sinful flesh, is that it wants the wrong things. It desires the wrong things. So that you have inside of you a flesh that fights against the Spirit. So to consider it, just maybe according to the Ten Commandments, we'll start at the end and work forward. The Ninth and Tenth Commandments tell us, you shall not covet. But our flesh wants all sorts of things that the Lord hasn't given. And we're agitated instead of happy when other people get stuff and we don't. Or the Eighth Commandment, shall not bear false witness. Your flesh, not not only does your flesh want to hear uh, bad news and gossip, but it delights in it. It likes that. Or the Seventh Commandment, you shall not steal. Your flesh is lazy and your flesh is greedy. And it likes that. Sixth Commandment. Your flesh is lustful and wants to be unchaste. The fifth commandment. Our sinful flesh is angry, selfish, and uncaring. The fourth commandment. Our sinful flesh is rebellion, rebellious, and it loves to rebel. Or the first table of the law. Our flesh despises God's name and His word and God Himself. Our, our sinful flesh wants the wrong stuff. It likes and takes delight in all of the wrong things. Now we have to know this about ourselves. And we should know also that the devil uses this to his own advantage. This is how temptation works most of the time. There's something out there that's wrong and sinful and dangerous and leads to death. And if we were to sit there and think about it, we would know better. But your flesh wants that thing. And so the devil comes along to say, well, go ahead and grab a hold of it. That's how it was with Adam and Eve in the garden. Here's this fruit, and and they know Adam and Eve. They know better, but the devil comes along and he says, oh, just go ahead. Take take it and, and, and eat it, and you'll be just fine. You'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. And it's the same for us. Now, it's one thing that the devil tempts us. That's bad enough. Every time we sin, we die a little bit. But there's a second danger with temptation and with sin according to the sinful flesh. And it's a theological danger because the devil comes along to exploit the gap between the desires of our flesh and the demands of God's law. Let me maybe say that again. The devil comes along to exploit the gap between the desires of our flesh and the demands of God's law. And it goes something like this. The devil comes to us and says, God wants you to do this. You want to do that. Forget God and do what you want. In other words, the devil is not just content to set us to do the things that we want to do. He sets us away from the things that God doesn't want us to do. Do you see the difference? The devil comes along and he looks at the difference between what our flesh wants and what God demands. And he says... Don't only do what you want, but don't listen to what God says. In fact, the devil comes along and says something like this. It's even further. The devil says, you want to do this. God wants you to do that. But I want you to do this, too. The devil presents himself as a friend to us and presents God according to his law as our enemy. The devil then, using our sinful desires, wants us to think that God has put us in chains and that the devil comes to set us free. I remember thinking these things very, very distinctly in my own, in my own life. This, this temptation that comes along and the devil comes along and says, I want you to be free to do what you want. The Lord is the bad guy, the one who doesn't want you to do what you want. So you have to, you have to reject God and follow me. Now we know better. We know better. Jesus says whoever sins is a slave to sin. We know that sin binds us to death. We know that faith is in fact true freedom and that to live according to the flesh is to live in bondage. But the devil comes along and he turns this all upside down. And this is what Jesus is talking about with the assaults of the weeds and the the assaults of the thorns. And that attack is fierce. It's especially a heart attack, a difficult battle when it comes to the sixth commandment. This is what caused David to fall. And to think of it, that here is Bathsheba, that the devil uses Bathsheba to tempt King David, and almost the whole of the kingdom would fall because of this sin. And this happens over and over when we see especially young people leaving the church. The Lord comes along and requires chastity, which means no sexual intimacy outside of the bonds of marriage, and the sinful flesh says, forget it, do whatever you want. and And that assault on faith causes it to wither and die. Uh, It's not only a chasing after pleasure, but it's a rejecting of the Lord's Word. And Jesus has warned us about it here. And He set us, by this parable, He set us here to fight against the flesh. To recognize, first, that the flesh wants the wrong stuff, and second, once we realize that, to pray and fight against our own sinful flesh. This is what the old theologians called the mortification of the flesh, putting to death our sinful desires. And it happens as we examine our lives according to the Ten Commandments, as we repent of our sins, which begins, repentance begins, by despising not only our sins, but also our sinful desires, and rejoicing that the Holy Spirit, through the Word, is working in each one of us, cultivating in us godly desires. So that not only does our flesh want the bad stuff, but as Christians, we want the right stuff. In fact, this is one, we should, we should just identify this as one of the greatest benefits and joys of being a Christian. And that is that the Holy Spirit creates in us and continues to create in us a desire for those things which are good and true and beautiful. And that brings us to the third fundamental truth that Jesus is teaching us in the parable. And it is this. The word which is attacked is the same word that overcomes and wins the victory. Now this is a mystery. I, in fact, I, I wish I could preach this better. Give me five years. <laughs> To understand it better because it's a profound mystery of the way that the kingdom of God works. The word which is attacked by the devil is the same word that overcomes the devil. We want to, according to the parable, we want to give attention to the fact that the devil, the world, and our flesh are all attacking God's word, but we want to know who will win the victory, and it's Jesus with one little word who fells the devil. Now think of it. The seed that the bird picks up off the path is the poison that kills the bird. I never did, I didn't want to, I, I can't think of a better illustration. I'm preaching this at the at the extreme risk that you are going to think worse of me. Not not because I'm going to say something that I've done, but because I'm going to tell you something I've thought about doing, and it is this. When we when my family went on vacation, uh, we would go down when we were kids, we would go to the coast and we would go and we would throw bread for the seagulls, you know, and we'd watch the seagulls and they'd go and they'd they'd grab the bread before it hit the ground and this sort of thing. And we heard that if you feed the seagulls an Alka-Seltzer, that they would eat the Alka-Seltzer and then go drink and then they would explode because they can't burp. That's terrible. Now, we never did it, but we thought about it, and I'm ashamed that we thought about it. And one time we even packed Alka-Seltzer to bring with us to the coast, but we couldn't bring ourselves to do it, to go and murder all of these seagulls. But this is, uh, this is what the Lord does to the devil. The seed... That the devil grabs a hold of is the very thing that destroys him. I remember, what, remember how St. Paul tells us to fight against the devil. He says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, so that the very thing that the devil assaults is the very thing that overthrows him. When the devil comes to, to tempt us to destroy our faith through suffering, he undoes his own work because through suffering, the Lord strengthens our faith and our hope. Remember how Paul says it in Romans chapter 5? Suffering produces hope. Or when the devil comes to tempt us to sin, to chase after the sinful pleasures, this reminds us that we cannot save ourselves, that our great hope and our great need is for Christ, and that His mercy towards us knows no bounds. Through all of the uh, devil's attack on the Word, the Word itself expands and grows, and the kingdom of God continues to come among us. Now, this is this amazing thing, the way the Lord works. And, and to think of it like this the great hour of the devil's triumph, which is nothing less than the death of God on the cross, that was the great hour of his triumph, but that was also the great hour of the devil's overthrow. It was the destruction of his kingdom. Jesus says, Unless the seed falls to the ground and is buried, it bears no fruit. But if the seed dies and is buried, it bears much fruit. And so it is with Jesus, it Was died and buried and hidden in the grave. There is There in the death of Jesus is the victory and triumph of God over, over the, the, the devil and the world and our flesh, and, and the devil continue, or the the Lord Jesus continues to triumph over the devil in the same way, in the in the hidden weakness of His word. So the word comes to you, and the, and the Lord Jesus plants His word in your ear and in your heart, and and by that word He overcomes the devil. He overcomes the world. He overcomes your sinful flesh. He forgives you all of your sins. He opens for you the way to everlasting life. He he plants in you His victory, which cannot fail. So it may look to us, it may look to you like the Word of God is weak, just thrown and scattered all over the place like it's not producing fruit, but Jesus tells us, that this is not true. That the word bears fruit. And the fruit that it's bearing is your faith, which overcomes the world, which overthrows the devil's kingdom, and brings us at last to everlasting life. (laughs) May God grant it for you. Amen. Amen. And the peace of God that passes all understanding Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.